One Week Season. Welcome to week two of the one week season week in review show. I am Todd Burrows and you can find me on Twitter at Bestball NFL. And I will be joined as always by Mark Garcia at Hilo FF. And we will be covering our processes for the week that just passed, what we would or wouldn't do differently, our results and what changes, if any, this week has led us to going forward. Now, let me bring in my co-host, a man with more jobs than lineups, Mark Garcia. Mark, how are you? What's going on, man? I like that. More jobs than lineups? Yeah, you've got like nine jobs and you play three lineups. So uh, I I think that it's it's noteworthy. (laughs) I I like to think when people say they miss our old show. It's that they missed my 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 humor. I, I mean, what do you think the chances of that are? Probably close to ninety five percent, to be honest. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> it's good to it's good to get back with you. I I feel a little more comfortable doing the podcast the second week. Um, had a little bit of week one jitters last week, but let's get going and let's review what um, led us to our lineups, Mark. Um, It seems to me, Mark, that one of the biggest changes this week that we needed to get used to was the lack of options um, that were great values. Uh, This is, I think, what we're going to probably have to get used to. Uh, But normally, we at least get two weeks of value before uh, DraftKings kind of catches up. But uh, there really were not a lot of mispriced players this week, week, Mark. Well, I think that there were, I think that were there were some significantly mispriced wide receivers, but those wide receivers all fell within that middle tier. Um, so, you know, guys that were glaringly mispriced were Cooper Cup. Obviously, he went ham. Um, all three of the big wide receivers from the Dallas and Chargers game, and I think the pricing psychology came into play a little bit with those guys in particular where they're likely going to see, you know, an increase of 500, a thousand, 2000, maybe even in some cases for a couple of those guys uh, over the next three to four weeks. So that pricing psychology, when you see a player jump uh, from the previous week, but they're still not priced as high as they probably should be uh, helps to subdue a little bit of the ownership there. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to me now that you mention it. I mean, I, I guess what I was more uh, referring to was the $3,000 wide receivers that we wanted to play, the $4,000 uh, running backs that we could play. There wasn't as many low options, but I, I do agree that there were some mispriced players. And considering it, Mark, um, uh, the ownership didn't really reflect the opportunity on some of those wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. Ownership came in a little bit more flat, actually, um, than was projected kind of throughout the week. And there really wasn't an abundance of like late week news that would have affected that. I think that it's just a sense of um, one 
the field is getting sharper. And two, there are so many content providers out there that are all touting their own guys and, you know, have their own followers and and that's going to affect ownership as well. But yeah, I totally agree. The lack of like pure, you know, bottom of the barrel pricing um, as far as value goes kind of led to that balanced roster being kind of the, the chalk build this week. Yeah. And, and more than, um, you know, typically we, we, we see a bunch of chalky guys, but the preparation for this week was more about the chalky games, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was basically, I sent a tweet out like during, I don't know, halfway through the afternoon games that was like, we don't know shit about the NFL. The only thing we know is Kyler Murray is quarterback one. Um, but that's basically what we were trying to preach all week was that the field is going to assume we know more than they do. Um, and that was going to, I thought was going to lead to a little bit more heavily concentrated ownership, but it ended up being a little bit more spread out. But that same idea that I talk about um, on discord all the time is I like to personally have at least four data points before I can start establishing a trend. Um, and we're not, obviously we're not going to have that until, you know, week five uh, of the season. So it's, um, I don't think much is going to change moving forward, honestly, from a, uh, from a theory perspective, how we're looking to attack slates. Yeah. And, and it can help us and it can hurt us. You and I were both on Naheem Hines this week. Uh, and, and then we, it turns into a Michael Pittman week and uh, Marlon Mack, who didn't get a snap in week one, um, played a decent amount. So, um, you know, those Indianapolis players, and that's just one example, Mark, of how what we thought we knew failed us in week two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Naheem Hines, he wasn't even being utilized in the two-minute offense. They had two opportunities, one in the first half, and then at the end of the second half when um, Eason ended up throwing the pick, uh, where Hines was used on less than half of the snaps in those drives. So it was like a little maddening, like, oh, like the opportunity is there. Also with Hines, like, they the first half they had the game script setting up well for Hines and then um midway through the third quarter there was that uh defensive touchdown uh from the Colts and that you know put him into the lead and and kind of destroyed what we were hoping to get out of second half Naheem Hines there um so like we were saying like we don't know what the hell is going to happen variance all that good stuff in play so uh I was definitely go ahead finish no I was just going to say I'll cover uh, one of the mistakes that led to me for this past week uh, a little bit. All right, we'll we'll get, we'll get to that. And um, the the other thing I think I knew I was in trouble when I was watching in the first quarter, and the first quarter of that game was done while other games had six or seven minutes left. And then I, you know, because I watch the Red Zone Channel, I don't always just sit on a game. So I I sat on the game a little bit. And the, the Rams were waiting till one or two seconds were left on the clock before running a play. And that obviously is going to lead to uh, less plays. So I knew I was in trouble at that point because my single entry lineup had that game. And um, I think it was good in theory, but in practice, it didn't work out. Mark, the other uh, you know expected chalk of the week was at mid-price running backs, specifically Najee Harris and Chris Carson. How did you uh, attack that in your own drafts? 
Yeah, so I stayed true to kind of how I broke that down in the Saturday night. Um, look ahead at the, or I guess the the slate breakdown with Zandemir. Um, I called Najee Harris and uh, Chris Carson the best on paper plays at running back for the week, and I also said that I would have under ten percent ownership on them. Um, I did another mini MME type week. I ended up having eleven lineups, I think. And uh, they were each on one of them and they were not paired together uh, to, again, keep away from the chalk build. So um, I liked that process and uh, definitely it was a plus EV process, just didn't work out because obviously none of the lower priced running backs uh, plus Alvin Kamara up top really flopped. So uh, it was an interesting week. Yeah, you picked the wrong high price running back. That, but you had the right idea. You just picked the wrong guy. Um, so um, the way that I handled that, Mark, I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, in uh, in get, you know, because I use the optimizer, so I set it up that in games, and I I run my quarterbacks runs separately. So I know when I'm running, like when I'm running a Justin Herbert run. I made Najee and Chris Carson max somewhere between 10 and 15%. They couldn't be in, you know, similar to your one lineup, right? Um, But when I was playing less chalky games, I, uh, I correlated them with someone within their game. So if Najee Harris... Uh, played uh, one of the one of the one of three Raiders had to be in the lineup with him. Uh, Darren Waller, Brian Edwards, or um, Rugs uh, Renfro. Uh, I did uh. not do it with Kenyon Drake. Um, and then in lineups that were really not chalky at all, you know, like I played Joe Burrow in a few lineups. I allowed Najee and Chris Harris to be up to 35% owned in those. But what I did was if one of them was in the lineup, I made a rule to decrease the other one by 10%. So I wasn't clumping both of them in all those lineups, if that makes sense. Yeah, because um, they were they were popping on on optimizers, right? Well, yeah, because they were good plays. And so what I liked about that was um, you know, we talk about overall lineups. Well, it's fine to have Najee and Carson in lineups where, you know, you've got a quarterback who's going to be 3% owned and two of his receivers are 10% owned like a Joe Burrow. Uh, It's a lot less smart to do it in one of those late games where we were expecting a lot of ownership. So that was the way that I kind of split the baby, Mark. Any thoughts on it? No, that's super sharp. I like that a lot. All right. Well, um, we'll get to results because um, I think a lot of sharp people had crappy weeks. Um, that was my way of handling it. Um, it. You know, so what if anything would you have done? You know, we we knew what the chalk builds were, Mark. Um, any regrets on how you built this week? Things you wish you could go back and do differently? Honestly, no. I like the overall composition of my portfolio. Um, I thought that I possibly, I think I had Naheem Hines on six out of 11. So that's probably a little bit more heavy than I should have been. Um, but looking back at the process that led me to that play, it was sound and solid. So, um, overall from a like from a theory and how i was viewing the slate and how i 
wanted to differentiate myself from the field, um, I thought the process was was pretty sound, and I'm excited about the future. You know, holding true to that process. Yeah, uh, for me, it's something that I always struggle with, and especially when I respect people. Um, prior to my getting, you know, so he, my process is this Wednesday, I make the rules for the optimizer, basic rules, you know, the, the, the people that I'm going to want to have correlated and who I'm going to want to have them correlated with, um, my general rules, uh, I have a template. So that repeats from week to week, but on Wednesday, uh, at some point I like to get my basic, you know, the guys who I'm going to make the optimizer correlate similar to what I told you about Najee with a radar, right? And you have to make those rules both ways. So then you also have to, if a lineup has one of the Raiders, you know, one of the Steelers has to come back with it. I'll do that on a Wednesday. And on Thursday, uh, while I'm reading the NFL Edge, I will, I will, I have this QB form. And since I do my runs separately by quarterback, uh, because I do think you get a better mix that way. What I do is I will start plugging in the ownership. I will plug in the percentage that uh, the chance that each quarterback could smash and also the um, the team totals for both teams in the game. And based on that information, I will make what percentage of each um quarterback I want. Now, I know that I'm going to go in Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday and tweak that. Um, But my original plan was for there were so many games that had high scores that I was planning to be even weight on the Chargers game. And after reading the content, I went almost double on the Chargers game. And of course, the two games that I took less of were the, you know, Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray. I went lower on those. So that was a bad decision, but I'm not convinced it was bad process. But I think hindsight being 2020, um, you know, I, I do hit myself a little bit because I think it was it was more fear of being of missing out. You know, when you have that game that's really chalky and everyone at OWS is talking about going heavy overweight on it and you're just thinking, oh, I'll just go even weight. There is like internally this fear of missing out. So that's something that I want to be more cognizant of um, because I don't want that to be the determining factor in my final decision, Mark. Yeah, for sure. And you can, no matter how big or small a community is, there's always a risk of developing group bias or groupthink mentality. And um, Like everyone playing Naheem Hines because we both like them, especially yeah. you because you put it in your build. Um, it, go ahead, finish what you were saying. No. So, I mean, that just goes back to what I harped on so heavily on Saturday, which was question everything. Um, You know, it doesn't matter where it's coming from you. And in the end of the day, each person who is entering a roster in a contest is doing so with their own money. And you have to have conviction either way, one way or the other. And it just so happened that, you know, a lot of the convictions across OWS lined up or were in agreement this week. And, um, we also kind of as a team and as providers, we're doing a, almost everything of what we're doing. We're doing it independently. And then, you know, coming together at the end of the week 
and comparing notes kind of thing. So when when we're all, you know, like five or six people are coming to the same conclusions or, or kind of seeing the slate um, in the same light or, you know, breaking things down in a similar fashion, um, that's kind of when the hairs on my the back of my neck start standing up a little bit. And that's just, again, my my inquisitive and, you know, questioning nature that I have. Um, and I really didn't work through those thoughts after Saturday and into Sunday morning. Um, but I honestly, I can't see me changing how I attack the slate, uh, drastically or, or anything, you know, looking back at my process, because again, I kind of arrived at, at those thoughts on my own. Yeah. I, I, and I didn't, but at the same time, I don't blame myself for doing it, but I, I do want to be more cognizant of why I did it. Right. And I, I, I think that is kind of another layer of human nature that is important to look into and to be honest about, um, you know, and the fear of missing out is one of the, the biggest uh, things that, you know, that ends up making you play chalk. Now, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty because based on the ownerships on that Charger Cowboy game and the fact that it had the highest over under, you know, we had put ourselves in a great position. So I don't think it was bad process, but I just want to be more careful going forward to, you know, to just make sure, because again, you know, that Kirk Cousins and I, I, but the other thing I did at the end was smarter. I went heavier on the Tannehill and, uh, and Russ Wilson game uh, right at the end. So, you know, I, I think when you have five or six games that are that good, it's not bad process, but you want to at least make sure you're doing it because your internals are lining up, not because other people's internals are lining up, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and also, yeah, for sure. And also something to add is when you're looking back at the process for a given slate, you're doing so from a confined confined perspective of that slate alone not comparing it to what has worked in the past not comparing it to oh this is how i've had success in the past because every slate is so different and there are so many variables that go into you know the makeup of every slate that we really have to be honest and be careful uh when we go back and analyze our process uh and making sure to do it through the lens of that slate specifically so that's kind of what i mean when i i'm looking back at my process. And like, I, I honestly can't point to a single point of failure where I would have changed something significantly there. Yeah. And I'll mention something that I feel really good about. You know, I heard everyone talk about being underweight on Najee and Chris Carson. And I said, well, why do I want to do that? And I, I won't repeat all the things that I did, but I feel like I created a better mousetrap where you know, I, I I played them in in the situations I should play them in, and I was way underweight on the situations I shouldn't. So that's something that I feel proud about. Mark, is there something similar to that that you feel really good about coming out of this week? Um, I mean, not necessarily that I can point to a specific case like that. Um, I will add though, um, moving forward, when we've seen like two weeks like we have to start the 2021 season where chalk has so heavily fallen flat on its face. 
ensuring that our process moving forward is not influenced and biased by that. So if we, the example I'll use is Najee Harris. If, you know, we're breaking down Najee Harris in week three or week four, ensuring that we're doing so from a lens of that specific slate, we, we now have an additional data point to go by as we're making those assumptions and those decisions. But we're not just saying, oh, Najee is trash because he has failed two weeks in a row in smash spots. Well, he, he, he actually got bailed out at the end. I mean, I think he had yeah. 21 points. Chris Carson had those two touchdowns. Um, so, uh, but uh, overall, you know, what, what we're trying to avoid is taking guys with a lot of ownership who end up with 15 or 20 points. Yeah. And, uh, and this week there weren't, what there was there, there was one running back who scored over two running backs, CMC and Derek Henry that scored over, uh, you know, that posted what we normally think of as a GPP winning score. Uh, you know, CMC was right around 25 points. And then obviously Derek Henry went, uh, absolutely ham up at almost 51 points. But, um, the rest of the running back cadre were, you know, 23 points and below basically. Yeah. And that's where not having value, uh, I ended up more chalky on the build. Again, I did different things in each lineup to make sure. I mean, one thing is kind of a blunt instrument. I put in no more than 120% ownership in any lineup. So, you know, I knew that my overall ownership in every lineup was going to, you know, had a control. But, you know, I did at the end push and the optimizer wasn't giving me any CMC or Henry or very little Camara. It did give me a decent amount of cook, but that was mostly in game stacks with Kyler Murray. Uh, But in general, you know, looking back, you, you know, always play Derek. You know, I, I mentioned this last week. Always play Tyreek Hill when he's 10% or less. Always play Derek Henry overweight when he's at 3%. Because we know, you know, but, you know, it's again, it's just human nature to say, ah, I, man, I, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing 100 things here. Now I got to try and fit in Derek Henry. It's difficult. Um, but, you know, again, if you want to look at, things to improve on. I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but there's certain players. There's only so many players in the NFL who can put up 45 fantasy points. And when those guys are way lower in ownership than they should be, I think forcing them into uh, an overweight position is something that I want to, I don't want to make that mistake again, Mark. Yeah, and the the common denominator between the players that you're kind of speaking to, like the Tyreek Hills, the Derrick Henrys, is matchup is so much less important for them um, when you compare it to game flow. So how if if for example, if Tennessee is you know within six points for the duration of the game, we know Derrick Henry is going to see 25 to 30 touches. If Tyreek awesome. Hill is in competitive to negative game scripts, we know that he's going to see. 10 to 15 targets. So it's these guys where the matchup is far less important because of their own talent than the game flow perspective game flow is. And when that game flow deviates from the perception leading into that week, that is definitely a, a situation to capitalize on. Yeah. And, and I have a favor to ask of you. You do this great show on Saturday with Zandemir. I would love if you could make a note that every week to go over the studs that are, you know, that fit that category. I think that's yeah. that, that's a touch point 
that we should at least touch on every Saturday. Um, yeah, like as a, a as a as a company as a entity of OWS, I think just going through and you did it a little bit, right? You talked a little bit about McCaffrey and Kamara's low ownership on the show, and that's why I bumped up McCaffrey. But I think just going through those forty to forty-five point guys and making it a quick category, a five-minute discussion, I think it would be really helpful for everyone. I dig it. All right. Um, it's time, Mark. Um, what were your lineups and what were your results? Well, I was very overweight, um, full Dallas and Chargers game stacks. Uh, so we know how that went. I was very overweight, Naheem Hines. We know how that went. And the only two quarterbacks I used were Dak Prescott and um, uh, Jesus. No, he wasn't playing. Yeah, he was, dude. I saw him out there. Maybe I, that's what I needed. Uh, unless, Herbert. unless you feel like Kyler has the attributes of Jesus. Oh, my God. Well, that's, yeah. I, I right. failed myself Love, by not peace, playing Kyler. patience, kindness, goodness. <laughs> yeah. I was I was 100% either Dak Prescott or uh, Justin Herbert from that game. So um, out of 11 lineups, the highest scoring lineup I had was 128. <laughs> 0.98. So uh, I failed to cash a single lineup this past week. So that was awesome. So for me, I um, went heavy on that game. Um, I went heavy Josh Allen, uh, almost 20% Josh Allen um, in my builds. The optimizer, the um, the blitz is the one that I use, the projections. What So what I did was I took all the rules, put them in, First, I've run the optimizer with no rules. Then I run the optimizer with basic rules. And I'm looking at what the project, who the projections want to play. And I'm comparing that to ownership. But then what I do is I'll put in all my correlation rules and I'll do it again. And I just kept getting, I mean, it got up to like 40% Josh Allen. And we know why, because Josh Allen had such a good year last year. The 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 We haven't had a, we haven't had those four touch points yet. Um, so I don't regret that. Um, it didn't work out, but I got Josh Allen at 6% owned. Um, if that game had blown up into one of those 70, 80 point games that JM referenced, I would have had a really, really good day. Um, but I did also, besides the Charger game, the third game that I hit hard was that Seattle game. And my single entry team had Stafford, as I mentioned. So I I was down to less than 25% of my buy-in with like three plays left in the game, it seemed like. And all of a sudden, my you know, my money had been going steadily down, steadily down, and all of a sudden it went up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then it went up again. And then and, and so now I'm looking for the lineup that's causing this. And I had a huge game stack with Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, Chris Carson, and um, DK Metcalf. And all of a sudden, I was in like 115th place in the slant. And as the game wound down, I ended up in the 80s. And in overtime, I finished 55th. So if that game, instead of Derrick Henry getting like five carries for 20 yards and a field goal, if, you know, some of my other guys in that game did well, 
in overtime, I literally, I don't think I could have won the slant, but I think I could have gotten top 10. And then I would have been even. As it was, I, I lost slightly more than half. Uh, but the encouraging thing to me, Mark, and, and we talked about this last week, is how every week since I've been doing this, it always seems like I get one lineup that slips through. Mm-hmm. And again, in my worst week in a while, I had a team that finished 55th in the slant. And that's the encouraging thing that helped me feel better about my week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And think if you had a... My results if, part of the week. Yeah, think if Lockett would have made its way on that roster instead of DK too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just, you know... Um, Right, exactly. So um, I think we've talked about a couple points already about things that we might do different. Um, but let, let's, uh, you know, uh, is there any things that you're taking forward to next week? I've talked about a couple things. I won't repeat them uh, that you're taking forward to next week. Yeah. So basically my pro i'm really really comfortable and happy with my process right now you know even after week one i called my process in mid-season form um you know probably a a testament to all the work that we put in collectively at ows this off season leading into the year um but just fighting that that either confirmation bias or you know the opposite of that that um those those negative biases that can creep in and we want to, again, continue to analyze each slate uh, as its own entity instead of allowing recency bias or uh, confirmation bias to slip in. Yep. Um, hope you guys are enjoying this podcast as much as Mark and I are enjoying doing it. I still get some people asking about the old podcast, um, but I, I think this really um, adds something to the OWS in total and Mark, you're in Zandemir's podcast on Saturday is must see radio <laughs> and uh, must hear radio. And I am really excited to be doing this with you. I'm looking forward to week three, Mark, and I am really looking forward to picking your brain. You and I talked on Saturday and I, I, I talked you off a couple things. You talked me off a couple things. And we're going to continue that. So I, I'm really excited for the way things have been going. And if you're going to be a DFS player, you have to handle the bad weeks. Yep, for sure, man. I'm I'm definitely stoked to be chatting it up with you on a podcast again. And we got to keep those Saturday discussions going because that was money. Yeah, because if the Charger Dallas game was the one that got 80 points, you know, we'd be like Scrooge McDuck, you know, rolling around in some money. Uh, but it, this week, the, uh, you know, sometimes, you, 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 you know, that's the other thing I, I, I want to touch on is, and Jay Emmett talks on it a lot, not having a shotgun approach, but having a rifle approach, you know, and that's the part that I don't regret. I don't regret that I picked three spots to really go at hard this week. I just happened to only get one of the three right, and it was the one that I had the least ownership on. Um, that can change because I narrowed it down to three good spots, and you're gonna get your weeks where you get it right. Yeah, and taking in all the information that you know us as individuals, and then us as uh, as OWS overall, taking in all the information and making the most optimal decisions with that information. 
as we can. And that's why I say, like, looking back, uh, there wasn't a lot about my process. Obviously, process over results. There wasn't a lot about my process that I would have changed from this week. So, Making better lineups, not better picks. It's the OWS way. That's going to do it for this week, folks. Looking forward to talking to you all on Discord, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.